The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Today we want to look at the kingdom of God, about his kingdom and about our priority, the priority that we need to have towards his kingdom. We need to seek his kingdom first. We need to seek his kingdom first. As we do that, that is a priority of our foundation. It's a priority of our lives, and it helps to establish us in him. Let's read together from Matthew 6, and it'll come up on the screen, and I can read it to you. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And the context of Jesus bringing those words was the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And you can read that in Matthew chapters 5 to 7. But it's also interesting that it's picked up in Luke. And Luke also brings this message to people in Luke chapter 12. And there, in Luke chapter 12, it gives us some interest. It says... That meanwhile, when a crowd of many thousands had gathered. So those words were given in a situation where there were literally thousands of people gathered. And Jesus stood up and began to teach them and tell them about this. And all those thousands that were there heard this. That look, you spend all your time worrying about things. About the concerns which sometimes we worry about. What do I eat? What am I going to wear? Those questions are arising, and Jesus says, but you need to seek first the kingdom of God. Have you ever asked those questions? Of course you have. (laughs) Of course you have. Because it's the sort of thing that we say. Now, we may not actually always say it in those ways. You can picture the scene as, you know, you're sitting in the room, somebody's opening the fridge door, you hear the fridge door creak open, and then you hear these words. There's never anything to eat in here. Which really is saying like, what am I going to eat? How am I going to eat? How am I going to be fed? What's going to happen for me? It's not said, you see, about what do I eat, but that's the motivation behind it. Somebody looking in the fridge, and I suppose I may have said that (laughs) from time to time. In fact, I often think of Christmas time 
as being the only time you can't say that, because usually it's when your fridge is full up of all sorts of things, and then you never get to eat it all anyway. But that's another thing. I guess I won't even bother to dwell on the phrase, I have nothing to wear. <laughs> because we could be on that for a while. So, as Helen is here this morning, I am going to move on swiftly. So Jesus says this to his listeners. He's saying to them, and he's referring to things that are how we fill our lives with. They're questions that are important to, him, to us. But you see, he says, is not life, is not life more important than those things? And you know what? Actually, for a lot of people that are around us in our world, the answer probably is no. They're, they're seemingly all they live for. They go from one meal to the next, and they go from one internet site, because there's more shopping seems to be done on the internet these days, or going to the shops to buy more clothes to satisfy themselves because they're looking to look after themselves. But life, life is more than that. And Jesus, to his listeners, when he was preaching, he was wanting to say, guys, just hang on a second. I, I want to bring you back and I want to show you some important things. You know, like, let's just contemplate the birds. You see them flying around? Let's just contemplate them. Do they go out to work and earn money? No. Do they go to Sainsbury's or Tesco's? or Asda, or whoever? Do they get home delivery? No. Hello? Your heavenly Father feeds them. He makes sure they're okay. He feeds them. And likewise, he says, look at the flowers. Look at the lilies of the field. And you look at a lily, it's a beautiful flower. And that's the whole point. You look at really any flower, and there is beauty in the creation of a flower, in the makeup of a flower. We look at flowers, and Jesus says to these people that are listening to him, guys, you need to remember this. Look at flowers. Now, what happens to flowers? They're here one minute, they're gone the next. But I tell you this, Solomon, the richest man, the wisest man that ever lived, all of the glory and the wealth that he has, never was he turned out like one of these. Now, if your heavenly Father knows how to create flowers like that, here one minute, gone the next, he knows, he knows, he knows how to look after you. The question is, do we know? That's the question. He knows, because he's about it all the time. The question is, do we know? Do we know? Have we come to understand that fact? And it's interesting that Jesus says, oh, it's the pagans that run after these things. I'm not quite happy about that. Matthew 6, I'll just repeat it again. So do not worry, he says, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. The pagans, what he's actually referring to there, they could say the Gentiles, those that don't know Jesus, but actually what's behind that statement really is this, that's what the people of the world run after. Okay? And that's true. The people of the world all around us, they run after those things. But he says of us, we need to seek first his kingdom. Seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and all these things will be added to us. So we ourselves, we need to probably refocus ourselves. And I say this as a challenge to all of us, because it's good to be reminded. Because you know what? We can be so concerned about, actually, what are we going to have for food to and it's not that we don't organize, it's not that we don't prepare, it's not that we don't cook, because God has given us those skills and he knows that we need to eat. His principle is, are you spending all your effort and energy on those things? 
Have you forgotten about the priority, the foundation of your life, which is that you seek my kingdom because that is the purpose that you are here for? My kingdom. My kingdom. Because when we get rooted in his kingdom, then we can do other things. And it's a challenge. I mean, how are we getting on with this? How do we get on with seeking his kingdom? Oh, well, I do that on a Sunday. I give myself that bit. Yeah, but it's not just about Sunday. Our life is not just about Sunday. Our life is Monday to Sunday, or Sunday to Monday, or however which way you want to do it. Our life is more than that. Well, I'll I'll do it when I feel like it. Look, you're probably not going to feel like it. Because our feelings are directed at looking after ourselves. We are naturally selfish. We want to look after us. I'm important and I have needs and I need to make sure I'm cared for. But the things of his kingdom means I'm putting myself to one side and I'm saying his kingdom comes first. That's what I'm saying. I'm actually looking beyond myself and I'm looking towards him. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego had learnt this. Because they said, even if our God does not save us, we're not bowing down. We're not bowing down. Because they were trusting in him. And we too have been called to seek first his kingdom. Let's look at this phrase a little bit more, this phrase of the kingdom. A king has a kingdom. A king has a kingdom. A kingdom is an area over which the king has complete authority. Now, I can use an example, although it's not the best example. We're part of the United Kingdom. Just hear me out a little bit, okay? (laughs) So we've got England, we've got Scotland, we've got Northern Ireland, we've got Wales. Together they make up the United Kingdom. And we understand by that, actually, when we stop and think about it, it is a united, they have come together to form one area that is supposed to be joined together and supposed to come under all the laws of the land. And I know there's technicalities here because we have a, a parliament in Scotland, we have one in Wales, and all sorts of different things happening all around. But the concept is there, and the word is there, united kingdom. Because a kingdom is a place where a king rules, and his rule is affected across that land area that is demarked by his kingdom. That is what a kingdom it is. A king has a kingdom. You know what it says of Jesus? Revelation 19, verse 16, it says this, And on his robe, and on his thigh, he has this name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The king of all kings. This is Jesus. Our king has a kingdom. Now the question is, do we let King Jesus rule over us and over what we do? Or are we, as it were, seeking to lead an uprising against him? And I say it like that because I would never dream of that. But I see it in myself. There are times when you think, like, I don't want to do that now, Jesus. I, I had a chat with you earlier on. I'm off to get on with life. And we just call that normality. And I'm trying to make a point here, but you know what? It can happen like that when actually our intentions are good. But when you actually stop and evaluate the intentions, it's like, am I seeking his kingdom or am I actually organizing a rebellion? Hey, Nobody in the kingdom fancies doing that today, Jesus, so we're just going to go off 
and do something else. We're going to look after ourselves. A king has a kingdom. And the question we need to ask ourselves is this, am I surrendered to the king in whose kingdom I live? Or do I keep seeking to raise a rebellion against him? Seek first his kingdom. A king has a kingdom. And thirdly, my kingdom is not of this world. Let's just refresh ourselves of the fact that the kingdom that we are in, the kingdom that we are serving, the king that we are serving, his kingdom is not of this world. Last week being Easter, obviously we're reflecting back on the Easter story, Jesus before Pilate. And if we go back to those events just before the crucifixion, there he is before Pilate and he's talking to Pilate. Luke 23, verses 1 and 2, it says, Then the entire council, this is the Jewish ruling council, took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is Messiah, a king. So that's what the Jewish people came before Pilate and they threw all these accusations that he's been stopping the payment of taxes. He's disrupting the way of the Roman Empire. He's pretending to be a king. Then we jump to John's Gospel, where it also interjects with this conversation. John chapter 18, 33. Then Pilate went back into his headquarters and called for Jesus to be brought to him. Are you the king of the Jews? He asked him. Jesus replied, is this your own question? What did others tell you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate retorted. Your own people and their leading priests brought you, to, brought you to me for trial. Why? What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said, So you are a king? Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. <laughs> what is truth, Pilate asks. And he went out again to the people and told them he is not guilty of any crime. So Pilate, Pilate is asking Jesus, so you are a king. And Jesus expresses, yes, I am a king, but my kingdom is not, is not of this world. And that's something for us to really get hold of. You see, this is part. This is just a, a part of the universe. It's just one planet in this immense universe. But surrounding that, bigger than that, is God. So his kingdom is far vaster than just this earth. But you know what? This earth is all we've got invested in. We, we invest in this. This is where we live. This is where we have our breath. This is where we go about our business. So we're invested in this world. So we think so much of this world. But the kingdom that we are serving is not of this world. And you see, the things of this world, the things that the pagans run after, the things that this world runs after is, what are we going to eat? What am I going to wear? How, what's happening next? How, how am I going to cope? We're worrying about those things. But our king, who has a ruling kingdom that is not of this world, he is there and we want to be trusting in him. His kingdom is not of this world. The way we action things in this world 
the way we understand the things of this world, the way that we interact with this world, all of those interactions and things, they're caught up with the ways of the world. And sometimes the things of his kingdom are completely different from those ways. That's why at times people can look at you and say, why do you do that? Why do you think that? Why do you go to, why do you go to church on a Sunday? You could be out at the shops. You could be out enjoying yourself. It's what they might think. But we are here worshipping this God. We're here giving our lives to this God. We're here hearing about him. We're here because we want the glory of his presence over our lives and to know that relationship with him because that relationship changes us. It changes us. It gives us strength. It gives us perseverance. It enables us to understand more and more that the kingdom that we're serving is not of this world. But you know what we're seeking to do? We're seeking to bring the wisdom, the understanding, the knowledge of that kingdom into this world so that the kingdoms of this world may become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. That is what we're seeking to do. Seek first his kingdom. A king has a kingdom. His kingdom is not of this world. And fourthly, salvation takes us from one kingdom to another. I just say this because we need to remind ourselves, salvation takes us from one kingdom, one dominion, to another. In Colossians 1 verse 13 it says this, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. And just feel these words, the dominion of darkness. The very word itself has that sense of overwhelming, crushing over you. It is an authority that is over you. He takes us, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. If you have become a Christian, you are part of the kingdom of God. You have a king, King Jesus, who is there to rule over your life. We have been taken out of that place of darkness and brought into this kingdom. Once we were dead in our trespasses and sins, once we didn't know the way to go, but he has made us alive and he has caused us to come alive in him so that our spirits now are alive and we can have connection with this God. We were spiritually dead, but now we have become spiritually alive. We were spiritually dead under the bondage of sin and death, but now he has translated us, has taken us out of that place and brought us into a new kingdom, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of his son, Jesus Christ. Can I just ask you, are you sitting here this morning and you don't know which kingdom you're part of. There's a program on TV which I've never seen. I'm just going to say that right up now. Can you guess what? No. Game of Thrones. But the title interests me because this is a Game of Thrones. See, it's a kingdom business. There is a Game of Thrones happening that we're all involved with. But which kingdom are you part of? Who's on the throne of your kingdom? Jesus is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the highest authority, the greatest power, the one who will never leave us or forsake us. 
He is the one that we're surrendering to. And he is the kingdom that we're following. His kingdom is the kingdom that we're following. And you know what? We're, our role here on earth is to see that kingdom come in. This is exactly what the Lord's Prayer teaches us. The Lord's Prayer says this, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, on earth we want to see your kingdom and the reason that we're here and the reason that you put us here, you made us for we were made by him and for him. The reason we were placed here upon the earth is that we would be those that would be here to bring his kingdom into this earth. To bring the light of salvation, to bring the light of forgiveness, to bring the light of life in Christ from heaven through us to this earth. That is why every one of us here if we've been saved by Jesus, we have a role to play and that is that we are to take the light that has been given to us out around us to the people that we associate with, the people who are in our world, our brothers, sisters, mums, dads, next door neighbours, relatives, all of those people that are relative to you, important to you, those business people, those friends, those colleagues at work, those people at the university, those people that are connected to you, they're not there by accident because you're not there by accident. You are there because the king of kings has appointed you to do work for his kingdom. I know it begs the question, well, I'm not quite sure what I'm supposed to do. And I know it also begs the question, don't go in tomorrow with a T-shirt that says, I went to church yesterday, and on the back it says, I repent for your sins. Just uh, please love people. But can I just say that? Please love people. Please love people. Because that's what Jesus did. We're worried about what we're going to say, how am I going to say, just think about how you can love people. And some of them, you can say, I don't love them. Think about how you can love them. Because that's the power that we have. And that power is unbreakable. Because love changes things. People know that they are loved. And they know when they have been loved. They know it because it's, it's warm, it's delightful, it's kind, it's good. All of the attributes that we see about God are wrapped up in love, which is hardly surprising because God is love. And so when we're bringing his kingdom in, we're bringing his love into this world. And our role is to seek first his kingdom, is to bring his kingdom in, is to seek to establish his kingdom rule, his kingdom regulations, is seek to establish that here and now. Now, of course, there are challenges in that. There's many challenges. I don't, I don't know how to speak to the people in my office. I don't know what to say. Do they even know that I'm a Christian? Where do I start? Oh, it's been so long. How do I introduce this? I don't know. But at least you've got a topic to pray about now. God, I don't know. Help me. Do something. He will do something because he loves people. And he has put you there as the light of the world. Nobody here in this room is insignificant. Nobody has no purpose. You may feel like it at times, but it's not true. 
because he has chosen you before the foundation of the world and he has put your, his affection upon you to draw you and to cause you to be created and to come into the world for such a time as this. The truth is it's time for us to arise with strength and knowledge and to see that there is purpose in our lives, to see that we are here to represent his kingdom and to get on with that. Now, of course, there's challenges. I mentioned about Steve earlier on. That's a challenge for us because suddenly we're feeling threatened. Have we done a good enough job? Surely Christians should never die. Surely we should never face death. We've lost sight of what our faith is all about. Our faith is that we have somebody who holds us who takes us all the way through. See, we're so concerned about trying to manage a situation when we need to trust in the manager of the situation. For Steve, he may be getting weaker in health, but he's getting stronger in his spirit. I know it because Sarah's told me that he's woken her up in the middle of the night. I think she's appreciated it. But he's turning on worship music because he needs to find peace and calmness before God. But it creates an atmosphere in the home of worship. You see, we can trust that God, who has said he is with us, will be with us and will walk through with us. And Steve, what's important for him? To make sure he's been meeting up with friends and colleagues that he used to work with to give testimony about what God has done in his life, because he knows that's important. And the family's important too. And his mother-in-law and father-in-law and his mum are important too, of course. But you know what? That's important and there's a testimony being laid down because we're here to live for him, for his purposes. Is it hard? Of course it's hard. Why do I talk about this? Because it helps us all. Because we have to come to terms with things that are happening. I have to say and I don't say this lightly or glibly, Steve is going to a far better place. He doesn't have to pay taxes. He doesn't have to do all sorts of things. There. But our concern is not just for him. Our concern is for the family and for those who are left behind because we understand that there's a difficulty in that. But you know what I was looking? This, I was looking this morning at Psalm 23 and I don't say this lightly, but I would encourage every one of you to read this psalm a hundred times through, to meditate on this psalm at this time. Not just because, oh, it's one of those psalms that helps us in these moments. I don't mean it like that, because this is a psalm that helps us in our lives. This psalm declares this, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And he goes on to say this, I shall not be in want. See how we need to say this as individuals. And we can believe it for other people, but we need to believe it for ourselves as well. The Lord is my shepherd, king of kings, king of his kingdom. He is my shepherd, and I shall not be in want. And we can think of wants. We can think things that can come against us. But he has declared, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. <coughs> Folks, one of the things that I often don't want to do is I don't want to lie down. I don't want to stop. I want to keep getting on and I want to keep doing and I want to keep accomplishing because I think I might get a breakthrough and I've got another good idea that might help us to do this. And when he says, there comes a moment when I come 
and I want you to stop and I want you to lie down because I want to take care of you. We need to learn that sometimes we have to allow him to let us lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And this is what struck me this morning. He restores my soul. I, I, didn't, need, I didn't even know my soul needed restoring. I thought I was just fine. But when he's talking about our souls, he's talking about our inner life. That which is not the outer, but that's what's inside, tucked away in us. I didn't realize mine was damaged. I didn't need mine was repaired. I didn't know that mine was heavy. I didn't know that mine was suffering. Well, perhaps I did a bit, but you know, whatever. What does he want to do? He wants to restore your soul. Sometimes for us to have our souls restored, it means we need to stop and listen to him and to lie down beside those green pastures and to allow him to minister into us. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I find it interesting, it doesn't say, and when you face the valley of the shadow of death, I know the bypass. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, tune your sat-nav to me and I'll take you round it. I will always deliver you from this. It just says, I will be with you as you go through it. Because there are some things that God wants us to go through. Does it make sense? No, it doesn't make sense. Do you remember back to Job when we were talking about Job? Job had been through all of those different problems and his one question was like, why? How? What's going on? Answer me. Answer me. I have done nothing wrong. It's not my fault. Why is all this going on? And then at one point, God encounters him. And suddenly, Job is saying, I spoke of things I didn't know anything about. Because he's in awe of God. Because God is showing him new things and declaring things that are beyond his comprehension or beyond his understanding. And we need to trust right now that our God is doing things that are beyond our understanding. We need to trust right now that God is allowing us to experience these things because they help us to reach out for him they help us to grow in understanding. They help us to grow in love. They help us to get changed from the inside. Even if they well, I don't like it. I don't want that. I don't want it. But if he wants it because he wants to do something in us, then he's the king. And my task is to surrender to his kingdom and to allow him to lead. Why are we talking about any of these things? Because at these times, foundations can get shaken. And God doesn't want us to have shaky foundations. He never put us here to have shaky foundations. He put us here to have firm foundations. And we have firm foundations by keeping our eyes on Jesus, by constantly encouraging ourselves as we look around at creation that it's there, that God is real, that he is there to help me. Sometimes I feel it, sometimes I don't, but he is there to help me. Remembering that there is a battle that's going on all the time, that battle rages against us. Some days it's fierce, some days it's like, mm, no battle. 
But there is a battle that's going on. But our priority in all things is to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Everything else will get added to us as we do that. But that's what we've been called to do. Can I ask you to stand? Father, we pray for grace. We pray for grace to come upon us, Lord. You who are abundant in grace and mercy, rich in mercy, we come to your throne of grace that we may meet with you, that we may find fresh grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. And Father, as a people, as we face walking through sickness with Steve and with the family, Father, we're asking for great grace to come upon us. We're praying, Lord, for strength. We're praying for wisdom. We're praying for hearts, Lord, that are full of love so that we can act appropriately. We're asking, Father, for your mercy to cover us, to strengthen us. Lord, I also pray that grace would come upon us, that we would disconnect from this world and the systems of this world and that we would prioritize the things of your kingdom in a new way. Holy Spirit, you have the way to speak to each of us in the areas that we need to change, in the areas that we need to adjust, that which is right for our lives of where we are right now. You know everything about us, and you know how to program and reprogram us accordingly. We're asking this morning that your grace would come upon us and that you would reprogram us each of us, so that we may more effectively seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, so that everything else of this world and the things around us can be added to us. But Lord, give us the grace to seek that first, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.